podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Tuesday, the 17th of January. It's FA Cup replay day. And there is one FA Cup third round game to be played, which had previously been postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. So, tonight we have Forest Green against Birmingham. That game was postponed because of a waterlogged pitch at Forest Green. Hopefully, it's all good to go tonight. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to work a replay if that game ends in a draw. Maybe they're just going to go straight to extra time and penalties. 
because the fourth round starts in 10 days and everybody has league games in between. But it is what it is. And that game will be tonight. Third round replays. Swansea versus Bristol City. This game ended 1-1. First time out. Joel Joel Perot had put Swansea 1-0 up. Antoine Semenyo had equalized on 75. And that's how it ended. And tonight we get the replay. Should be a decent game of football. Two teams that want to play. So that one should be okay. Accrington Stanley against Boreham Wood is our next one. That also ended 1-1 last time out. Ryan Astley had put Aki one up, but Lee Undlove equalized on 78 minutes to force the replay. Next game then is Liverpool. Oh, sorry, it was Wolves versus Liverpool. That ended 2-2 last time out. Uh, Liverpool were particularly dreadful on the night. Guedes put Wolves one up after a bad mistake by Alison Becker. Darwin Nunes equalized on 45 minutes. Mo Salah put Liverpool one up on two one up or rather on 52. But Huang He Chan, after Jordan Henderson went to sleep, equalized on 66. Wolves then had a goal ruled out, which should not have been ruled out. Uh, a poor offside call. Wolves should have won that game. They will feel they should have won the game. They were the better team on the day. And they'll go into tonight's game confident because they're in decent form and Liverpool's form is appalling. So have at it. Next up then, West Brom versus Chesterfield. This one was a wild game first time around. Brandon Thomas Asante put West Brom one up on two minutes. Tyrone Williams equalized on seven minutes. Carlin Grant gave West Brom the lead again on 17 minutes. But Armando Dobra in the 36th and 41st minute gave Chesterfield a 3-2 lead that they held on to all the way until the 93rd minute when Thomas Asante scored again to equalise and send that one to replay. That one should be a good game. Looking forward to that one tonight. And then finally, we have Leeds versus Coventry. Uh, First time around... This, I can't even remember how this game went. Let's try and find Leeds versus Coventry first. It's Leeds versus Cardiff. If I could read, if I could read, it would be a great thing. Leeds versus Cardiff. Um, I can't remember how this one went. Let's see. 2-2. 2-2 is right. Cardiff had gone 2-0 up. Jaden Filigen and Shea Ojo put them 2 up. Rodrigo Moreno got one back for Leeds. Then Joel Baggin was sent off with 10 minutes left and Sonny Perkins scoring his first goal for Leeds. Super talented young player that they nicked off West Ham. Giving Leeds a deserved draw. Leeds dominated large parts of that game. Now, part of that was because after Cardiff went 2-0 up, they kind of stopped playing a little bit. But uh, that one should be fun again tonight. So some decent games there. Six games, Forest Green, Birmingham, whatever that will be, I don't know. Forest Green aren't particularly good this year, but neither are Birmingham. Swansea and Bristol both like to play decent football. Accrington standing against Bournemouth is interesting because it's a non-league team. Wolves-Liverpool could be ugly. Could be an ugly game. West Brom-Chesterfield, if it's half as fun as the first game, it'll be good. And the same goes for Leeds-Cardiff. So that's what we have tonight. 
the winners then will head forward to the fourth round, which takes place across the 27th, 28th, uh, 29th and 30th of this month. So the last weekend of the month. Um, that starts with a belter. That's City Arsenal on a Friday night. So that one should be fun. And it ends with Derby County against West Ham on the Monday night. So that's looking to be a good weekend, that fourth round weekend. But tonight's games should be pretty good. Right, moving on to the Premier League. Winners and losers from this past weekend's Premier League action. Uh, We're going to start off with winners, obviously. First one up has to be Arsenal. They now have an eight-point lead at the top of the table. Their win over Spurs is a is a big win for multiple reasons, but it's a big win for the fans because they now get to lord it over Spurs fans. Spurs fans had the upper hand after last season when they beat Arsenal very late on to take that top four spot away from them. Arsenal have now done the double over Spurs this season and they get to lord that for as long as it takes. And... It's unusually early for both North London derbies to have been played. It's ridiculously early, in truth, for both North London derbies to have been played. But Arsenal fans now get that one-upmanship. Also a winner, Manchester United. Similar reasons. They now get to lord it over City. Now, City did hammer them early in the season, and United needed one of the worst officiating calls you'll ever see for this win. But a win is a win, and that's all they'll care about. In 10 years, when they look back at the scoreline, it's not going to say Bruno Fernandes, Asterix, Marcus Rashford was offside. It's just going to say that Bruno scored a goal. Um, They damaged City's title hopes in doing so, dragged themselves into the mix. Now, I don't think United or Newcastle have any chance at winning the league. But stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. Leicester won the league once. Uh, I still think Arsenal win the league. There's 20 games left. Eight points is nothing over 20 games. Not to them. Look at last season. Look how far Liverpool were behind in January with less games to play. So, you know, and I don't think Arsenal this season are as strong as City were last season. Um... My third big winner is Brighton because the performance they put in against Liverpool was absolutely phenomenal. From minute one to minute 95, they were just so far ahead. It was it was as if the two teams were playing different sports. If you had told somebody that one group of players cost $25 million, and the other group of players cost whatever the cost of that Liverpool team was, 200 million. They would have absolutely told you that Brighton were the team that cost 200 million. The way they were set up, how confident they were on the ball, how aggressive they were in going and winning the ball back, how fluid their build up play was, how purposeful everything was, how easy they found it to just walk through Liverpool. Like it was, it was embarrassing as a Liverpool fan watching that. Liverpool were pathetic on the day, and Brighton were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. 
And I always say it, if if I if Liverpool were to disappear out of the league and I had to pick another team, it would be Brighton. I have such an affinity to the city and to the club, former season ticket holder, I will point out, um, that that would be the club. Without question, they're such a model club. Everything they do, they do well. Everything. Their recruitment is phenomenal. The way they identify talent, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. I don't just mean the recruitment of players. I mean the recruitment of recruitment staff, the recruitment of medical staff, the recruitment of coaches, the recruitment of managers. Everything they do under Tony Bloom is just so advanced. And uh, Miguel Delaney reported today that they are looking at bringing in a striker, uh, Tati Castellanos, from... He's currently owned by New York City FC and thus the City Football Group, but he's on loan at Girona, who are obviously also part of the City Football Group. Um, He was very, very good with New York City FC his last two years there. 23 goals in 36 games, 17 goals in 25 games. This season, he's not scoring as many goals for Girona, but he is playing well. He's got 5-18, and 18, which doesn't reflect the impact he's had on the team. Uh, Argentine forward, he's had a strange career, bounced around a little bit as a young player in terms of academies, found his way to Universidad de Chile, um, was in their academy for a couple of years, never never made a league appearance for them, but did make one uh, Copa Libertadores appearance, or Copa Sudamerica was, Sudamericana, uh, as it was. Um, moved to Torque, who are, a, I believe, a second division team at the time in Uruguay, helped them win that, played in the Uruguayan Premier Division, or Premier Division, and that's how he got the move to New York City, uh, where he has done, he, he he did great things. He was an absolute machine. Uh, on to Girona on loan this season. And I, I do think he is the type of number nine that Brighton could do with. I think he would fit really well in this Deserby team. But you look like, look at the fact that they lost, they lost the director of football in the summer. They carried on regardless. They lost Graham Potter. They went and appointed a better manager. But Graham Potter is a good manager, but I think the Zerbi is a little bit better. And they made 20 million in the process. And 20 million in their hands, that's that's three players that are going to be really good. So Brighton have to be a winner. I'm going to do a couple more because there are a couple more that are worth mentioning. Nottingham Forest are one. I think Nottingham Forest have really turn things around. Like I said yesterday, they've taken 10 points from the last five games, haven't taken only 10 points from the previous 14 games. They really have turned things around. And now they sit 13th. They're only uh, two points behind Crystal Palace, five points behind Villa, whereas they're five points ahead of the teams in the relegation spot. So I think they're a winner this weekend as well. And the last one I would say is Wolves because that was a massive game against West Ham with two teams right down there in that relegation zone. And for them to get the three points and climb out of the bottom three is huge. 
Uh, in terms of losers, West Ham have to go into the loser bucket because they had that option to get themselves out of the bottom three and they failed. I think Everton have to go in here as well, losing to the team bottom of the league. That's the second time that's happened. You've just lost routinely to teams that you should be beating over the last, well, over since Frank Lampard took over, really. But uh, four defeats, I think it's actually five defeats in six, isn't it, for Everton. Um, it's really, really poor. And obviously, you know, the cup results as well, both very poor. Everything going wrong for Everton right now. Only three wins this season. That's the least of any team in the league. The least of any team in the league. And 15 goals scored. Only Wolves have scored less. Now, West Ham and Forest have scored the same amount, but they they look like scoring goals. West Ham now have West Ham have Skamaka, who's back. They have Antonio. Bowen is going to find form at some point, you'd imagine. Cornet will come back. They look like they've got goals in them. Forest are starting to score goals. Wolves are starting to score a few goals. Everton don't look like scoring a goal. They just don't. So they're they're a loser here as well. Uh Liverpool, absolutely the biggest loser of the weekend. What what a shambles. What a shambles. So they they topped the list of losers this weekend. Right. What I wanted to do. Wanted to take a look at the teams at the bottom. And maybe what they can maybe do to get themselves out of the mix with regards to the transfer window. So we'll start with the bottom club. That's Southampton. And I've been over this recently enough. Like I do like large portions of their squad. I think the only thing they're really missing is a goal scorer. I think they've got a very good goalkeeper in Gavin Basunu. Now he's young and he will make mistakes, but I think he's had some outstanding performances from them this for them this season. In defence, I think there's good centre-backs in Belakotchup, Salisu, Lianku and Kaleta Carr. I think that's a, sol- a solid group with lots of potential for development. Right-backs, you've got Walker-Peters and Livermento will be back soon. Left-backs, you've got Perot and you've got Larius and they've got Thierry Small who's currently out on loan. So that's pretty strong. I wouldn't be worrying about that. I think you can make a good defence out of that. Midfield... They've brought in Orsic, who I, re- I think is a really good uh, addition for them. We'll add some creativity, some guile into that team. You've got Ward-Prowse, who doesn't really do a whole lot outside of set pieces, but they love him. They think he's a legend. I've seen some people compare him to Matt Letizier, which is a nonsense. But he is looking more purposeful playing a bit further forward with the double pivot behind him and two forwards ahead of him. So long may that continue. Romeo Lavia is an absolute star in the making. He's he's a sensationally good midfielder. And if he, had, if he hadn't gotten injured, I don't think they'd be sitting bottom of the league right now. Uh, but he's back, and I think he's going to be really good. Carlos Alcaraz... Very talented player they've brought in from Argentina. I think he's a big addition who can make a big difference. Uh, Ibrahima Diallo, they need to play more. 
because Diallo's that dynamic ball winner that fits well with Lavia. And between the two of them, I think they give Southampton a really strong base and protect that defence, which needs a bit of protection because there's young centre-backs there who will make mistakes. So when you play those two defensive midfielders, one more of a destroyer, one more of a shielder, I think you get a good balance. I like the wide options. I like Sekou Mara. I think he's very talented. Orsic can play wide. Stuart Armstrong can play wide. I uh, have a soft spot for El Yunasi because he was at Celtic. I think Musa Gineppo has been a little bit of a disappointment since going there, but there is talent. And when it clicks for him, he's very, very good. He's very effective. Um, and the other one, obviously, is Samuel Adozi, the young English kid they bought from City who looks a ton of fun to watch. Uh, so all things considered, every area is pretty good. You could do it one more body in midfield. One more body in central midfield who can rotate with Lavia and Diallo. And I think you'll be in good shape there. But that's not the big need. The big need is goals. 15 goals in the Premier League so far this season is not acceptable in 19 games. That's what they've got to sort out. Their top scorer this season is James Ward-Prowse. He's got five goals in the league. Five goals. And how many of them are set pieces? Four? Three? I think four. I think two penalties, two free kicks. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's that's correct. Um, easy enough to find out. They haven't scored many goals. He's got a free kick on the opening day. What else did he score? There's so many games in which they didn't score. Scored against Brighton. I think that was a free kick as well. Is it? Is it? Is it three free kicks and one penalty? Or four free kicks? I don't know. I can't remember. I think he's scored once in play, though. I think I'm right in saying he's scored once in play. He did only score once in play. There was an overhead crawl, an overhead free kick that was meant to be a cross that went in. There was the, the one against Spurs. There was one against Fulham. That was a free kick as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I don't I think he scored one goal from play all season. Anyway, moving on. Che Adams is second with four, and nobody else has scored more than two in the league. And even the two, it's Arebo and Perot. Like, that's not acceptable. You've got to get somebody in who can score you some goals. Simple as that. Now, today, the Athletic are reporting that they're closing in on a move for Nicholas Jackson from Villarreal. Now, Nicholas Jackson's a really talented player. I really like him. But he's not a goal scorer. He's got two and 23 since making his debut for Villarreal. He's a really talented, wide player slash attacking midfielder. He's creative. He's quick can beat a man, can create for others. He's not going to get you your goals. Now, I like the idea of him and Sekumara either side of a nine. I think that could be very fun. But you've got to get a nine. It cannot be Che Adams. He's not a goal scorer. He's not a big enough goal scorer. Che Adams started life as a midfielder and moved forward. But he's never been a natural goal scorer. So they've got to figure out how they solve that problem. 
maybe they need to try and dip into the loan market. Maybe there's a number nine out there that a club is not making the most of or just looking to get off their wage bill for six months, whatever the case may be. Somebody has a number nine. Now, if they have the money, the one I would suggest going and getting is um, Victor Gjorkeres of Coventry, who I think is a natural goal scorer with really good movement, good hold-up play. I think if you put him with Jackson and Mara, I think that could be a lot of fun. Now, that would revolve, involve playing the 4-3-3 again, which I don't think Nathan Jones is all that keen to do. But I do think that three would say... Ward-Prowse, Lavia and Diallo in midfield with Ward-Prowse given more license to get forward and then Kyle Walker-Peters, Bella Kotchup, Salisu and Perot. I think that team stays up. But if they don't have the money to buy a striker, the loan options have got to be out there. There's got to be somebody sitting at a Premier League club who that club isn't making the most of or that club wants to move on. Danny Ings could be an option. I wonder if Palace would loan Odson Edward. He's not getting enough regular game time there. I, I don't know, but I wonder if that could be an option. I think he'd fit really well there. Raul Jimenez. Now, he doesn't get you the goals. But he might get you enough. He might hit a hot streak. Probably not. Probably not. Probably a bad idea. What about other leagues? Syria. Would Milan loan Divock Origi? I think they probably would. I think they probably would. Duvan Zabata, he's been linked with loan moves to the Premier League. He could be an option. Musa Dembele is a good shout guy. Musa Dembele, currently at Lyon, could be a really good shout. If I'm not mistaken, I think his contract is running down. He's had a contract in the summer. He's not had a good season, but he is a natural goal scorer. And he counts as a homegrown player. Because he was at Fulham for a few years. He played for Fulham for four years before he turned 21. So he counts as a homegrown player. That's actually the best shout. That's a brilliant shout, guy. I would suggest you go to them and you try and do a deal where, let's just say, you take him on loan with an obligation to buy if you stay up. He extends his contract for one year with Leon which enables them to get a fee in the summer. And if it if you go down, maybe it becomes an option to buy. He's not going to want that move. But, you know, 
he'll get a move. If he comes over and does well, he will get a Premier League move. But that's a really good shout. That's a really good shout. Musa Dem- Musa Dembele is a really good player. He had a great season in the championship. He went to Scotland. He was absolutely sensational for Celtic. Absolutely unbelievable for Celtic. That first season, he was just incredible. He's had three good seasons with Leon of the four full seasons he's been there. He had a poor season in 2021, and they loaned him for the second half to Atletico Madrid, but he bounced back last year. Like 20 and 46, 24 and 46, 1 and 16, that's when they loaned him. And then 22 and 36. Like I say, not having a good season this year, but he's a proven goal scorer. He's got good movement. He's strong. He's quick. He's an intelligent player. That's a great shout. That is exactly who Southampton should be aiming for. If you got him and Jackson, you'd be in business. You really would be in business. Everton. We have to factor in there's not a whole lot of money to spend at Everton right now. But I don't think they need a whole lot. I, I, I think what they need is a new manager. I think they need to get rid of Frank Lampard. I've been saying it all along. But, you know, you've got Pickford. They want to play a back three. Fair enough. But it should be Godfrey, Tarkovsky and Michaelenko as the three. Patterson when he comes back and Venegra as the wingbacks because that's what they're naturally suited to do. Godfrey and Michaelenko are naturally suited to be the flanking centre-backs in a three. And James Tarkovsky's too slow to play the left-sided role in a three just so you can fit Connor Cody in. Connor Cody's the weak link. Get him out. Put Tarkovsky in that middle role. Go with two in midfield. Go with Onana and Gaillet for now. And then get two wingers on the pitch to feed Calvert-Lewin. Dwight McNeil's the best crosser of the ball of the club. He could also be an option to play as the left wing back if you don't fancy playing Venegra. And that might actually be better because it allows you an easier flex into a 4-4-2. So maybe play Dwight McNeil as the left wing back. And then you can put, say, Neil Mopay on the right, Damari Gray on the left of Calvert-Lewin. Because Mopay is a busy, hard-working player who knows how to score a goal. He's not a big-time goal scorer, but he knows how to score some goals. And I do think him and Calvert-Lewin would work well together if given the chance. And he has had some seasons where he scored a lot of goals. That last season he was at Brentford, he was unbelievable. 28 and 49. He was, you know, he was a nine-goal-a-season striker at Brighton. Literally 27 goals in three seasons. 38 games, 10 goals, 36 games, 9 goals, 35, 36 games, 8 goals, 35 games, 9 goals. He's a 9-goal-a-season striker. He's gotten one this season because they're using him off the bench too often. Play him up front with Calvert-Lewin, right side of the three, just a little bit withdrawn. Let him link play and get back into midfield and do his little bits and pieces that he does. And I do think you will get 
a lot more out of him than what you've seen already. He's got good pace, can be an outlet in behind. You could even just play the, him and Calvert-Lewin as a two and play Gray almost as a ten and let Gray flip wing to wing and have Mope work off Calvert-Lewin flick-ons. If they're going to buy, they've been linked to a few wingers. I think that would be pointless. They've been linked to a few target men, which I can understand because Calvert-Lewin has obviously had the injury issues. You, you probably are looking at bringing in a forward. Like if you're if you're Everton, you probably want to bring in a forward player because the lack of goals is is also a big concern for them. Again, Moussa Dembele would make a lot of sense. Who they've been linked with a few others. They were linked with uh, Oatara, who's going to Bournemouth. Again, he's a winger. You have enough wingers. You don't really play with wingers anyway. So why are you bringing in a winger? They could really do with somebody who's naturally creative, who can, you know, pick a pass. Because all of their midfielders are quite workmanlike. They're all ball winners. They're all box-to-box type players. Garner's probably the only one with a, a little bit about him on the ball. Onana can carry the ball quite well, but he's not a particularly good passer of the ball right now. Gaillet's never been a particularly good passer. Tom Davies more of a ball carrier than a passer. So they could do with someone that can do that as well. Someone that can just put their foot in the ball and actually slow the tempo of the game down. You know, make things hum a little bit, unlock a defence. There's nobody at Everton with any ability to unlock anything. One up front, one in midfield at Everton might have a hope, but the biggest thing they need to do is get rid of Frank. And I kind of feel the same with West Ham and David Moyes, and it's really unfortunate because he's had two brilliant seasons before this, but I don't think he knows how to get them out of this right now. And he continually plays the players responsible for getting them into this mess because in past seasons they were players that did well for him. But Let's be really honest here. There's no world in which Fabianski's a better goalkeeper than Ariola. It's just not a thing. You know, Soufal's had a dreadful season, still in the team. Suchek's had a dreadful season, still in the team. I mean, ideally, you'd be shopping Declan Rice right now. Because after the comments he made at the World Cup and his performances all season... He's as big a part of why you're here as anybody. He has been awful. He's been strongly linked to Arsenal in the last couple of days. I'd be calling now and asking, do you want him? Do you want him now? We'll take 80 million now, but it has to be now. And you take that money and you reinvest it. Like you could replace Declan Rice and improve your midfield. With 80 million? Easily. Easily. Go and buy Manu Kone and Manuel Ogart. 40 million a pop. You'd probably get them for a little bit less, but to get it done now, 40 million a pop. Put them in your midfield with Paqueta, and all of a sudden you've got a young, aggressive, dynamic, ball winning midfield 
who can protect your defense and allow Paqueta to go and have that freedom to be inventive and attacking. What they need to do is they need to find more ways to get service to Gianluca Schimacca. They need to get more crossing in the team. They don't really have a right-footed crosser other than maybe Pablo Fornals, who doesn't play on the right for them, tends to play on the left. Cresswell has fallen off significantly this year. Emerson Palmieri's been a non-factor for a number of reasons, the primary one being he's not very good. Um, I like Ben Johnson as a right-back, but I don't think he's a particularly good attacking right-back. I think he's better defensively. Soufal is a decent crosser, but he's been so poor this season that it, it hasn't made any difference. Um, that right side really fell off. Soufal and Bowen, they were excellent last year. They've been garbage this season. West Ham's move is probably to replace the manager. That's probably the best thing they can do. But I think they've got more than enough talent in the squad to stay up. I don't really think they need to do anything. But like I say, I, I would actually shop Declan Rice right now and see what I can get from Todd Bowley's throwing money around like it's going out of fashion. Give him a call. Tell him Arsenal have offered 90 million, but he's yours if you want to give us 92. Isn't it funny that when any of these mega rich people come into the league, the first thing they do is start to bully Arsenal? Like Roman arrived, and the, like the first Premier League club that Chelsea picked on was Arsenal. Soon as Mourinho arrived, just started picking on Arsenal, bullying them. City got the money with Abu Dhabi, just started taking Arsenal's players off them. Colo Toure will take him. Adebayor will take him. Samir Nasri, Gail Clichy. Chelsea just looked at Ashley Cole and went, yeah, we're just taking him. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, we're just taking him. Mourinho drove Wenger to the edge of mania. And now Bowley comes in, and as soon as Arsenal linked with a player, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'll take him. Now, Bowley's not mega rich like Roman or Abu Dhabi, and he's not nearly as savvy as he likes to think he is. Michael, the Mudrick deal is absolutely ridiculous. What an enormous overpay. But Arsenal fans celebrating that Chelsea overpaid, you're embarrassing yourselves. You were going to pay the same fee. You were just going to pay it over more years. You've cost yourself now as well because it appears like you've moved on to Moussa Diaby as your plan B. Uh, I don't imagine he'll be too happy about being your plan B, but I also know that Bayer Leverkusen are going to look at the fee paid for Mudrik, know that you were going to pay the same, and they're going to say, right, well, if you're going to pay that for him, you're going to give us more because we've got a more proven player. We believe a better player, and we're not taking that big add-on fee, it's a bigger guaranteed fee in smaller add-ons. So Arsenal might have just bungeed themselves there. Um, yeah, anyway, I, 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 this whole thing, I chopped Declan Rice. Uh, Bournemouth. What to do if you're Bournemouth? <sighs> they scored 18 goals, which isn't great, but the biggest issue is they've conceded 41. I think they should be looking to bring in at least one defender. Uh, I look at their squad, I don't see a right back that I like. I do like 
Lloyd Kelly, but I do think I prefer him as a left back in a four than a centre back. Uh, I I'd say him and Sinisi as the left side of your defence would be decent. Uh, Sinisi's not a great season, to be fair. But I I think I'd be looking at trying to solidify that defence. I think they're okay in midfield. I think they've got enough players there. I think they've got with Uatara coming, with Solanke, with David Brooks due back, with a couple of others. I think they're okay up front. But I, I think that defence needs real work. I think you've got to try and target a centre back and and a right back. I think the only I think they can score goals. I just don't think they can defend. And I think the inability to defend causes them to fall behind early in games. And that hampers their ability to attack. Because all of a sudden teams are able to just sit back in on them. And anytime they try and open up, they just become open to counterattacks. Anytime they try and be aggressive going forward, they just get carved open. So I think you've got to address that defense. I think it's it's the worst in the league. There's, it, it's just it is. They've conceded seven goals more than anybody. But I think they need to. I think they need to fix it now if they're going to have a chance of staying up. Uh, Wolves are are adding to their midfield. They're adding to their attack. I don't think Wolves need to do anything. I think they're on the right course. I do. I think they're on the right course. Uh, Leicester City need a centre-back. As much as any team in the league needs anything, Leicester City need a centre-back. I would say they also need a new manager. And the funny thing is, like, you could swap some of these managers around, and I wonder if you'd get a new manager bounce that would would save some of them. Like, I do wonder if you swapped Rodgers and Moyes. Just swap them. I actually think both teams would end up better off. I think the group of players at West Ham would benefit from Rodgers as an attacking coach. And I think Leicester would benefit from Moyes for his ability to set up a team. I think Moyes would just go and he'd bring in probably Craig Dawson or somebody like that and just deep bank, real compact, no mistakes, focus, 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 get them through to the end of the season, keep them up, and then start to build. Because neither of them are bad managers. Rogers is a poor defensive coach. And I think there's a ceiling on what Moyes can accomplish because of how, how careful he is. But neither of them are bad managers. And yet they look like bad managers because of the jobs they're doing this season. The only flat-out bad manager in the league is Lampard. It's too early to tell about Gary O'Neill. It's too early to tell about Nathan Jones. But the only flat-out bad manager in the league is Frank Lampard. Uh, But Leicester, I would suggest change of manager. And yeah, centre-back absolutely is the need. Midfield, there's plenty of talent. Attack, there's plenty of talent. They've been unlucky at full-back with injuries. But I think Ricardo Pereira is back next month. Uh, so that they'll get through the rest of the the time without him, but he can't go can't go any longer without a centre back. Can't defend, awful on set pieces. You've got no defensive line. It's a shambles. And last team we'll do then will be Leeds, and 
I think they're I think they're pretty close to having addressed what they needed to address. Um Wober wouldn't have been my choice as centre back, but he is he is pretty good. And I think if you put him in for Liam Cooper, I think that is a, a sizable upgrade. Uh Jorginho Ruter is a very, very talented player, can play in a multitude of positions in attack. But I look at their squad and I, there's an awful lot of talent there. There is an awful lot of talent there. Uh, they've got really good wide options. They've got good midfield options. Could maybe do it one more in central midfield. So maybe you call Juventus and you say, look, how about we take Weston McKenney on loan with an option to buy him in the summer? He walks in, he already knows Tyler Adams, he already knows Brandon Aronson. It's a comfortable fit for him. And I think he could add something to this team. But the only question mark I have really is that goalkeeper. He's obviously talented, but I just think he's still making the same mistakes he was making two years ago. And that is of concern to me. Now, I wouldn't be binning him off. I wouldn't be saying to replace him long term. I'm saying maybe replace him short term. And maybe allow him to develop a little bit out of the firing line. Because there's no question about the talent. He's got great athleticism. He's massive. He's 6'6". Great wingspan. Decent instincts. But he just makes... His judgment is just not there yet. And it might not be there for another couple of years. He's only 22. That's crazy. He's already got 100 and... 107 games under his belt for for Leeds. 11 in the Championship, 96 in the Premier League. But that's very unusual for a goalkeeper. But um, I do just wonder if he needs to take it out of the firing line just ever so slightly. Just on Sonny Perkins, uh, I'm I'm really hopeful he he does the right thing and decides to um play for his dad's national team that be in Ireland of course because that would be that would be tremendous uh, if we had him and Evan Ferguson and we could look forward to the two of them developing together I'd really hoped Sonny Perkins would, was going to go to Brighton where he was also linked because I thought that would have been great fun to have those two together there um but yeah, I mean, I think Leeds, Leeds are pretty close to being the complete picture. Then it's just about developing players, finding consistency, and there's so much talent there. I mean, Aronson is a star in the making. I think Sinistera is really talented. Nanto's really, really talented. Reuters really, really talented. The one area they could maybe like Reuters. Ruder can play all across the front line, but he's not really a nine at this point. But I do wonder if that's the plan for him, that that's what they want him to be is their nine. And if if so, he can definitely work into that area. Yeah. So that's what I do for them. I would say try and add one in midfield for a bit of depth, a bit of rotation. Other than that, just run with what you have. Run with what you have. There's a lot of talent there. 
And it's about finding the right balance between them. For Leicester, sack your manager, get a new centre-back. For Wolves, don't do anything. Just keep going as you are. You've done really well in this window. I, I really like the signings they've made. I think they're all... Even Sarabia, I think, is a good signing for Wolves. For Bournemouth, address your defence. For the love of God, address your defence. Right back and centre-back. West Ham, I think you've got to replace Moyes. I think if you replace Moyes, I think new new manager bounce will take you right up into mid-table. Five, six games under a good manager, I I could see them easily being 12th. Um, There's more than enough talent there. For Everton, they've got to sack the manager. I think they could do it getting one in a midfield who can play a bit of football and one in an attack who can be an alternative to uh, Calvert-Lewin for the 25 games a season he seems to miss. And Saints, find a number nine. Find someone that can put the ball in the net. Simple as that. That's what you need more than anything else. Because the talent is there. Lots and lots of talent there. Maybe a little bit inexperienced, obviously, but in recent weeks we've seen Coletta Carr play a bit more, seen Lianco play a bit more. So a bit more balance in the team from that. We'll take a break. When we come back, I think we've just got the gossip, and that will be us. So I'll see you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So Arsenal are. Confident of beating Chelsea to Declan Rice in the summer. And they've made him their top transfer target. That is according to the Times that has been um, then confirmed by multiple other outlets. So tremendous, tremendous stuff. Borussia Dortmund Sporting Director Sebastian Keel is planning talks with Jude Bellingham and says there has been no offers for him thus far. Dortmund are interested in signing Anthony Alanga. That's not a bad move for him. That's not a bad move for him. Manchester United are holding talks with Inter Milan about Netherlands defender Denzel Dumfries. I think Delos played well enough to warrant just sticking with him. And you I mean you could move Juan Bissaka on if you want and you know just give Williams, Brandon Williams, an opportunity to be the backup. A couple of years ago. 18 months ago even, was been told he was the next Dennis Irwin. So he can't have fallen off that far. He's a good player, Brandon Williams. Um, Tottenham remain in talks with Sporting Lisbon about a move for Pedro Porro, but are unwilling to meet his release clause. Yeah, I mean, it's £40 million and Sporting wanted in, in one lump. So that's kind of understandable. Um, 26-year-old Brazilian winger Rafinha, who's been linked with Arsenal, has no intention of leaving Barcelona in January. Makes sense. Newcastle are looking at signing Conor Gallagher and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, as well as Hacking Zayic this month. Um, Gallagher makes some sense. Legs and energy. The, the type of eights they're using. Zayic doesn't fit at all, really. And he can only play one position in their team, the same position as Almiron. And I think if you were buying a backup for Almiron, you'd probably want to get someone that was at least similar to Almiron. And Zayic is a very different type of player. Loftus-Cheek, it just depends which Loftus-Cheek you get. Week to week, he's a different player. 
RB Leipzig Sporting Director Director Max Iberl says the signs are very clear that Christopher Nkunku will join Chelsea in the summer. That's fine. Newcastle have joined Leicester City in the race for Nico Gonzalez, but Fiorentina will not sell him for less than 40 million. He is exactly who they should buy, Newcastle. Um, He's exactly what they need. You have him and Almiron as your right-sided options. He can also play on the left. He's a very, very good player. He is a little bit injury-prone, though. That's the only knock against him. Everton and Newcastle are holding talks over signing Piero Hincapi. Um, Everton can't afford him, so that's garbage. Uh, He wouldn't go there anyway. Newcastle, though, I mean, Dan Byrne is having a good season at left-back. He would be an upgrade. And if you had Botman and Hincapier as the left side of your defence, that would be that locked down for the next decade. So that would be a very good signing for Newcastle. However, this news comes from Sporting Insider, who is a spoofer. Uh, Leeds have increased their £22 million bid for Azadine Uanahi. Now, that's a very good signing if they can pull that one off. You add him into that midfield mix with Roja and with Tyler Adams, that's a very strong signing. Him and Adams together would be the most dynamic pairing going. Him and Roja would be a good fit together as well. Roja is that more kind of sitting player and him going box to box. So you could play with either, which gives you a strong three-man rotation, which is pretty ideal. Like Ideally, you want five central midfielders, but you want three starter quality players in the Premier League for those two positions, and that's what they would then have. That would be very clever from Leeds if they can pull that off. Um, I know he wants to go to Napoli, or it's been, sorry, I don't know that. I know I've read he wants to go to Napoli, but I think that would be a good move for him. Um, Chelsea and Tottenham are no longer chasing Anthony Gordon. They've probably realized that, you know, he's not very good. That'd be the primary thing. Tottenham and Liverpool are among the clubs to be offered Arnaut Danjuma by Villarreal. But the Spanish club have only received bids from Everton and Bournemouth. I mean, I could see him working at Everton as long as they play him more centrally. Could play him as a 10. Play him behind Mope and Calvert-Lewin. And he might give you both some added goals and some creativity. And that wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, I Bournemouth, I don't need... I, they're signing... They're signing someone. I don't think he's going to go back there. Uh, Uruguay's Uruguay and Orlando City striker Facundo Torres says Arsenal have held talks with signing him. Uh, Facundo Torres is a winger, not a striker. Brighton are interested in Valentin Castellinos. Uh, that's what I mentioned earlier on. I think he'd be a really good fit there. If you have him and Ferguson to rotate so you can keep Ferguson's development at a gradual pace, I think that would make a lot of sense. William Saliba says he is so happy at Arsenal as talks about a new deal continue. He's hardly going to say anything else. Uh, Juventus will prioritise Chris Smalling on a free. Juventus love nothing more than an old player in a free contract. Uh, Norwich will target Middlesbrough's 30-year-old English right-back Tommy Smith if Max Aaron's leaves in January. Why on earth would they do that? Why would they do that? Like, if if Max Aaron's leaves, 
they'll get a decent amount of money for him. I don't think you want to be going and buying. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. He did play for Huddersfield under David Wagner. But Wagner bombed him out. No, he was... Yeah. That's exactly what it is. He was... He was... Wagner's right back at... Oh, that's awful. If you're going to buy a right back or a wing back from Middlesbrough, you go and you buy Isaiah Jones. You don't. You don't buy Tommy Smith, who hasn't been good in quite a while. Was really poor for Stoke when he was there, and has no. Just, just no. Absolutely not. I'll make a phone call. Numerous Championship and League One clubs have made contact with Chelsea. About a loan for 19-year-old England defender Bashir Humphreys, who made his debut in the FA Cup third-round tie against Manchester City. He does look a talent. He really does look a talent. They continue to produce very, very talented defenders, and he looks like he might be the next one. Yeah, I can understand why... Why championship clubs? They shouldn't let him go to League One. He's too good for League One level. Get him a championship loan, and uh, it's the right step for him. That's how they worked with Gwehi. It's how they did Colwell, Colwell. That's what they need to do with Humphreys as well. Uh, that's it for me today. Then that is the show, and we will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye. Podcast Network.